great Scott. Are you a sports fan who loves to have a good laugh? Oh, yeah. Then you're in the right place. I'm going to make him an offer again. Life moves pretty fast. Welcome to the Man Bay Chronicles. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's show. This week I have Jonathan Fernandez on. Jonathan, how you doing? Good, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's, uh, it's awesome. Oh, no awesome pro- to be here. Awesome to be anywhere. Yeah, yeah no problem. No problem. Uh, well, what's yeah. new with you? Uh, man, what's new? Um, I mean, Lethal Weapon going on strong. Um, a little bit of a broadcast hiatus because of the Olympics, which I've been watching a ton of. I usually uh, somehow miss the Winter Olympics, um, just because, I, I don't know, it's, a, it's not like, you know, in the summer, it's like you're still kind of hanging around, you have, like, late nights and stuff like that, you can stay up till like, the wee hours watching stuff like that, but I feel like the winter is always, like, it always catches me unawares, um, but it's been great, have you been watching it? Oh, yeah, yeah, I've been watching here and there, you know, between work and kids and stuff like that, yeah, if I'm up feeding the baby yeah, at night. Forcing myself. What's that? <laughs> no, I was just going to say, I've been forcing myself to, to watch the... Uh, a lot of this, the figure skating, because I'm like, I don't want to say it's boring because these people are world class and it's really hard to do what they're doing. But it's crazy to like every run, unless they fall, every long run looks like a perfect full metal run. I have oh, yeah. no idea how to tell the difference between anything at all. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's on like on almost every night to figure skating. It's, it gets a lot of good ratings. Yeah. I mean, there's so many. Ty- I mean, now I know there's, you know, there's the short dance, the long dance, the you know, uh, men's short program, long program. Like, I didn't know about any of those things outside of just, like, uh, you know, just dancing on the ice. I thought it was all, like, one thing. I had no idea. Yeah. You been watching any uh, curling? No, you know what? But I, I, not because I've been avoiding it. I just I haven't been – it hasn't been on television any time I put it on somehow. I've seen a lot of biathlon, and that's always that's always fun to watch. Yeah. Um, so uh, tell the listeners a little bit about uh, where you're from. Uh, I'm from, um, well, I was born in Brooklyn, and when I was seven, we moved to the Poconos in Pennsylvania, and the, the town specifically is East Stroudsburg, which is uh, northeast PA, um, maybe like 40 minutes south of Scranton and Wilkes-Barre, and then like an hour and 45 minutes north of Philadelphia. Um, it's actually closest to New York. It's only like directly west through Jersey, like an hour and change. Um, but it's like, you know, like a town that you would, uh, like a very quintessential American town. Um, you know, it's like, it's not quite, it's not super rural and it's not at all, uh, urban, but like throughout the time that I was living there, I think when I went to college is when they finally started getting like a Lowe's and like a red lobster, uh, places like that, like that I did not grow up with at all. Um, which is funny because my wife is from, uh, Bucks County, um, Pennsylvania, okay. like northeast of Philadelphia, by, by maybe like twenty minutes. And there, she had like every everything you could ever imagine. Like she has every single retail store and every single like fast food place. I, was, I remember like the first time I visited her, I was like, "This is you guys are living in this like suburban utopia." It was crazy. I wasn't used to anything like that. Is it just like the movie uh, Groundhog Day? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it is like the. I mean, it's, it's like I've I've driven through Punxsutawney once. Um, and that is like a, a way smaller town, like, like, especially Bucks County where my wife is from is just like, they say it's a small town, but it's not like, there's too much stuff there and too many people. And my town is like not super, super small either, but people like to claim it to be, um, I guess it's mostly the mindset. It's like small town mindset, even though you have like 
you know, bigger town problems, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you went to college at Penn State, correct? I did. What did you uh, study there? Uh, I unofficially changed my major probably like a thousand times. Because uh, ironically enough, um, I went to study, like Pennsylvania, I mean, Penn State had a program where you could essentially make your own curriculum and your own major um, as long as it's like, like in the artistic field. And uh, so I was pulling from curriculums like across the nation to make my own forensic illustration curriculum because I think only one school actually had that as a major. Um, I forget which one it was uh, or which one it is right now. But, um, yeah, I wanted basically to uh, illustrate for like medical textbooks, that kind of thing. Um, And as I was doing that, I realized that I what I really wanted to do was draw (laughs) Spider-Man and like draw like comic books and stuff like that. And the, the medical textbooks were too serious for me. And so I dropped the forensics part um, and then just went into illustration briefly, but then went back to criminal justice uh, and then advertisement and then just kind of stayed in the College of Communication, uh, Communications and just like eventually landed on uh, telecommunications, which is my actual major, and I minored in film. Um, and I, I took the route of, of film production and TV production versus FCC, which is like the other way you could go with telecommunications where you're like, you know, learning and writing policies and yeah. learning more about the electro- electromagnetic spectrum and all that stuff that is a huge snooze fest. Um, and yeah, then eventually I just like, kept on like working in television production uh, and became full-blown uh, comedy guy. Yeah. And, uh, and you performed for the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater. How was that? Yeah, it was cool, man, because uh, I grew up with their show. Um, I remember watching their show on Comedy Central, and uh, my friend Larry in high school, um, he taped on VHS one of their marathons uh, on Comedy Central and was like, he gave me this VHS. He's like, dude, there's like eight hours of the show. You have to watch it. Um, and I was like, all right. And when I checked it out, it was like, it was either at all times, it was like the weirdest thing I'd ever watched and also the funniest thing I'd ever watched. And they were so outlandish and so crazy. Um, and I, it felt like a weird new Monty Python kind of thing. And um, and then I kind of forgot about it until I started doing improv in college. And when I graduated, um, my friend, who was like a huge comedy nerd, uh, told me that the UCB in New York, like Matt Walsh, one of the founders, was um, auditioning people to be in one of his short films. He's like, you should go out there since you're going to be in the city. And I was like, yeah, all right. And so I did and uh, did well at the audition and then did the callback. And the callback was with Matt Walsh himself in the room. That's it. And I was like starstruck. That's like pretty much the first ever, um, I thought, celebrity that I had ever like really encountered like one-on-one like that, um, let alone potentially working with. And uh, and he hired me and I did. I, was, I basically got hired to do an impression of Smeagol slash Gollum from Lord of the Rings. <laughs> and I just had to wear this like uh, green Lycra onesie. Um, and then they just keyed me out to if you look like Gollum. And I had this like big fake uh, uh, set of teeth that were just like, really hard to speak through. Um, and actually I just saw Matt Walsh. At, like I, we kind of kept in touch throughout the years um, and then lost touch for the last like several. And, I saw him recently at a at a party, and I was like, "Dude, do you remember me? Because uh, you gave me my first job, like you gave me my first acting job." And he and when I told him, what, I was, like, I was like, "Yeah, I remember like ordering popcorn that short film you did." And he was like, "Oh yeah, man, we had you in the in the green suit, and we had to." Uh, he's like, "We you had so much funny stuff, and we had to cut a lot of it out, unfortunately, because of time and blah 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 blah." 
and uh, and it was really cool reconnecting with him because I'm like now I'm on a show and a lot of things have happened since then. Um, but I told him I was like, "Yo, I have the check I received from that gig. I have, and it's uh, and I'm gonna frame it at some point." It was like literally the first acting job I've ever had. So he he holds very a very special place in my heart uh, for sure. When you uh, when you were doing the comedy for the theater, was like your plan to try to go into like Hollywood for acting, or was it more for like like stand up comedy? Uh, well, I never, I did, I did stand up here and there, like very few times. Uh, it was, I definitely gravitated more toward improv and sketch, and I mostly did sketch. Probably ninety percent of what I did at, at the theater, actually, maybe more like seventy five percent of what I did at the theater was, uh, was sketch comedy, and uh, because I got onto a, a house sketch team pretty early on after I took maybe my fourth class there. And um, and, I, and what's weird is that, like, I think a lot of comedians identify with this, uh, where when you're doing comedy, whether it's stand-up or improv or sketch, um, mostly the latter, like, you don't really equate it to acting. You kind of, you know, you're, you're on stage and you are acting, especially, you know, you're doing character work and you're, uh, you know, you're trying to find your character, you're trying to find your voice on stage, and you're, you know, trying to make good choices and stuff like that. But you never really think of it as acting. You just think you're screwing around with your friends or, like, trying to be funny. You're just wanting to make the audience laugh. Like, that's, I think, that's the only thing you really think about. It's like, I want to be funny on this stage. Um, and it wasn't honestly until, like, and it sounds silly, but, like, it wasn't until, like, years later that I was like, oh, uh, I'm an actor. <laughs> and I've been acting on stage. Like, once I started auditioning uh, for bigger and bigger roles and, and just, like, getting the audition uh, script and then showing up and doing it. I'm like, Oh, I guess I've been doing this for a while now, even though all I've been, you know, doing is really just like slipping on banana peels and throwing pies in my face for the last, like how many years on, on, uh, you know, on this, on the sketch stage. So yeah. yeah, it's weird. It's like once it kind of like all of a sudden happens and then, and then you're going in for your third time at 30 rock uh, for an audition and you're like, Oh, I guess, wait, there's only, there's only actors here in this room waiting with me. So I guess I'm one of these people. It's weird. It's a weird transition. Yeah. Yeah, because the question I had for you next is like, what pushed you to become like an actor? Yeah, it, it honestly it was just like I, I kind of all of a sudden realized I was doing it at a high level um, because I, I always like once I started doing improv in college and transitioning to do it in New York, it just it, I don't, don't want to say it was a hobby because I took it really really seriously. Um, I wasn't really getting paid for it, but it was something that was just like I really really liked doing this and as the steps get higher up and you start, you know, first it's just like a random audition for a web series and maybe a random audition for a short film or, a, um, you know, a student film for Columbia or NYU or something. And the next thing you know, someone sees you at a showcase and then they bring you on to, uh, or bring you into audition for a pilot for NBC or, um, I mentioned 30 rock before, but like I, I auditioned for 30 rock, I think probably five or six times, okay. um, and never, <laughs> never got on. And it was always, it was always stuff that I'm like, I would never hire me for this. <laughs> like it was always like really random roles. I was like, I'm glad I'm here, but I would be the worst choice for this. It doesn't make sense at all. Um, but yeah, it's like, once you kind of start doing that and you, and then you have a decision to make, whether you want to get serious about it and really put all your eggs in this basket, or do you want to just, um, keep it in more of the hobby area and just use, you know, sketch notes at UCB. And for me, it became quite clear that it's what I really wanted to do because I really wanted to nail auditions and I really wanted to be on set and learn more about being on set and acting at a high level. Um, so then I started, you know, working with an acting coach and taking classes and all, all you know, in conjunction to the work I was doing at, at UCB. And I think in New York, you have a lot of people 
that like you, New York is a crazy place because um, it's just there's so many people, like millions and millions of people trying to realize a million different dreams. And there, you know, if you're an actor, people are like, whoa, cool. Like, you know, I don't really encounter that many actors. And um, it's kind of an insular um, uh, insular industry over there. Um, like I knew a lot of comedians and a lot of actors, but my friends that weren't plugged in didn't. And and so like when you go up through a place like, U, like UCB in New York, it's a lot of people that just want to be funny, and that's pretty much it. That's all they think about. And here in uh, in Los Angeles, uh, people that do improv and sketch and stuff like that, you can tell that there's more of a um, like people like the industry is so pervasive here that people do it here with that motive of like because I want to be a star, I'm doing these things. Um, and everybody you run into is an actor or actress and writer or producer or whatever. So it's just like a very different vibe. And I think here people get it a lot earlier. It's like the bug of like, oh, I want to be a star. And whereas in New York, if you start going through comedy, you're just like, I just want to be funny, man. If I get into a TV show or a film, great, I guess. But what I want to do is kill tonight. Like, and you don't really see further than that. Do you think your biggest achievement so far in the acting world is uh, being a lethal weapon? Um, I it's It's hard to put it in those terms because I feel like there's so many, there's so many milestones as an actor. Um, this is, of course, like in terms of being, um, in terms of exposure. This is obviously my biggest break, just because it's the, the thing that gets the most eyes on me, and it's a, and it's a popular show. Um, but it's like, I mean, I remember when I like when I booked that thing with Matt Walsh. You know, I, like he was an idol of mine, and I was like, this is a big deal to be in. Like, people are going to see this short film. Um, of his all over the place, especially because it was playing in actual theaters. And then after that, when I had my first audition, like 30 Rock was probably my first big audition um, for a TV show. And I remember thinking like, whoa, this is a huge break. Um, and then when I got in my first film, uh, and it was a film called The Disappearance of Eleanor Rigby with James McAvoy and, um, and Jessica Chastain. And I, and I got in, like, the scene was me getting in a fight with McAvoy. Like I have to punch him in the face and like, you know, and, uh, yell back and forth with him and and like I'll never forget the moments where I was like talking with James and, and the director Ned Benson like we were in a, in a trio talking about the 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 scene and how to make it really really pop on camera and I remember distinctly feeling like in that moment it was like this is a big deal this is like a huge huge break um, so it's just it's, so it's hard to like name one thing and like I was saying before like Lethal Weapon is the thing that's like catapulted me to a different level and, and, um, and a lot more exposure but it's just like, I don't know, every little milestone as an actor feels like it's a big deal, I think. The Man Cave Chronicles on Twitter at the MCC Podcast. We'll be right back. Hey guys, are you looking for a place to put your knowledge to use? Well, Fleetwood is the first trivia app where it pays to be smart. Like it actually pays. We're talking cash prizes. See for yourself. I've already won playing a few of those games on my favorite movies and TV shows. It's fun, fast, competitive, and with over 74 different categories, it's something for everyone. So do yourself a favor. Download Fleetwood to challenge me and thousands of other trivia fans now. Available on iOS and Android devices. Hey, this is Keith Coogan, uh, Brad, and the Adventures of Babysitting, Kenny in downtown on Babysitter's Dad, and you're listening to the Man Cave Chronicles podcast. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about Lethal Weapon. Um, were you a fan of the movies? Yeah, dude. Um, <laughs> to say the <laughs> least. Uh, 
I, I, I've said this a thousand times now, but like, I mean, my father got lethal weapon one, two, and three through Columbia House, we mailed in the stamps and got the VHSs, and I broke the heads of at least one of them just from <laughs> not being kind and rewinding. Um, and like, just we watched it so much, and as and there's so many scenes that I would just like, you know, because now it's like on DVD, you just like pick the scenes that you're watching, whereas like in the VHS days, you have to like scroll through and like wait to. To, it's like a lot more work to have to rewatch a scene over and over again if you actually were inclined to do that. And uh, I mean, the scene when Mel jumps off of the the building with the dude that he was like handcuffed to, and he talks him off the ledge, slash jumps off the ledge with him, and then gets reamed out by Danny Glover in like that uh, like a dilapidated pizza parlor or something. And uh, like that scene, I've seen so many times because I felt like it's like a masterclass in acting. Like Mel goes from. I don't know him personally. I don't know why I just called him Mel. Uh, Melvin <laughs> Gibson, whatever Mel stands for. Uh, Melrose. And he, like, just jumping off the thing and being completely, like, happy-go-lucky and then go to getting reamed out by Danny Glover and getting, uh, and just, like, saying, like, what do you want me to say, man? Like, that I think about killing myself every day or whatever. And then they almost, and he almost does and he has a gun in his mouth and then afterwards he just, like, gets talked out and just goes from crazy to zero in a second, he's like, oh, I'm going to go get something to eat. And I'm just like, I've, I've watched it so many times. So I'm just like, he hit the entire spectrum of emotions, like in a very short amount of time. Um, and that movie is so good at doing that. Like all, all of the movies uh, are good at doing that. And I think that's the reason why this show has been successful because it's like, yeah, you have like Riggs wanting to kill himself or Clayne rather um, playing ribs. The Riggs wanted to kill himself. And then going into a scene with me where I'm making a bunch of jokes in the morgue and then going to like a family value scene with the Murtaugh's and then an action sequence. And it just has so much to pack into, you know, the 42 minutes or whatever that we have uh, for, for the drama. And it's just like, man, it's a, uh, it's really cool and powerful to be part of a show that, that you've, you know, watched the movies of and, and think that you've actually done a pretty decent job of, uh, of adapting, I think. Yeah. Do you find it similar from the, to the movies? Or do you think it's a big change between the movies and the TV show? I think it's. I think the most important thing has not changed, and that's the the spirit and soul of the films. And I think it's what you always try to achieve when you adapt something, um, where you want to attract new viewers by doing something different, but you can't change it too much. Where the older viewers are going to be like, "This is completely the antithesis of what I expected and what I know and love." Um, because you could watch the, a play like Hamlet by 40 different theater companies um, and still like them all, even though they're going to all be different, you know, and some of them will, and the ones that you probably don't like as much are the ones that probably don't change enough, you know, don't try to like jump off the ledge enough, you know? So I think it's uh, I think we found ourselves in a good spot of, you know, keeping at its core what it's all about and then adding freshness like my character Scorsese for instance who wasn't in any of the films um, yeah. but you know so it's, it's nice to be able to add a fresh a fresh voice and fresh take to, to something that people know and love already do you uh, how did you audition for this show do you remember <laughs> yeah dude I remember it was like the craziest uh, the craziest few days of my life um, some, something I was, I was kind of alluding to before with like the milestones is that um everything is so different at every step also. And just when you think you have something figured out, all of a sudden something comes from left field um, because you ideally, especially if you're a New York actor, you think it would go this way where you get the audition script, you memorize it. Then you have a couple of days. Sometimes it's, you know, you have one night or sometimes you don't even have a night. You just have to go in the same day. 
and then you do it. And then if they like you enough, they, um, they call you back, do it again. And then if you like, if they still like you, then you get flown out to Los Angeles and then you, uh, and then you test for your role with other people that are either hired yet, uh, or not hired yet. All the producers and top drafts are there and the director and, uh, some, uh, a writer and all that stuff. They're all there. Then you, um, wait and you find out a few days later uh, and, and then you have a, a couple of days, maybe a week or two weeks before you shoot it. Uh, that's usually how it kind of, kind of goes depending. And for me, it was like, I was in New York. They asked me to self tape it, you know, put myself on tape, um, not going into an audition room. Um, they asked me to do it. Uh, this was a Tuesday night. So I did it in one day, put it together. And then Wednesday, night um they called me from los angeles and they're like hey we're really responding to your tape so can you put yourself on tape again tonight with it uh with these different notes and i was like uh sure did it and then and then and they also kind of told me that day that's like well between like she didn't the casting director didn't say, say this in so many words but it was pretty clear that it was between me and maybe like one other person at that point and then i put that tape together then thursday I found out that uh, it was like eight o'clock um, on the eastern on the east coast that I got it, and that's when I found out that Damon was going to be involved. And then my brain threw flew through flew through my skull because I was like, the opportunity of working with a guy like Damon is insane. Yeah. Uh, not to mention being in a show like this, and I, I knew Clayne from uh, Rectify, and I was a huge fan of his. And then I found out that Jordana Brewster was in it, and I was like, whoa, this is crazy. And uh, and that was Thursday, and then I flew out um, Sunday. And then Monday we had a table read with all, it was just us, the cast and the, and the immediate producers. And I was sitting right between, uh, you know, Ke uh, Kevin Rom and Jordana Brewster. And I was like, dude, it's like, and I just finished watching Batman maybe like a week or two before that. So <laughs> sitting next to Kevin, I was just like, this is crazy. You're Ted Shaw, dude, what are you doing here? Yeah. And, uh, and like avoiding eye contact with everybody and stuff. And, and that was really surreal. Um, uh, cause then a couple of days later, uh, you know, that first table read went well. Then we had one with like the, um, like all the Warner brothers, like people, like the chairman the presidents and all that stuff. And then all the Fox people as well. Like, you know, Dana, uh, Walden and Gary Newman were there. They're, they're like the people that run all the television there. And then we did another table read. And then honestly, like the next day is when the first, um, like my scene in the morgue in the pilot was the first scene that was shooting of the entire six days of the, or 16 days of the pilot. And so I had no time to think about anything. And it was just like, boom, 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 all of a sudden you hear. So it was like a little over a week from start to finish of me, from me going to self-taping it on Tuesday. And then the following Wednesday is when I was like shooting the first scene for real wow. opposite Damon and Clayton. And it was like insane. And none of it went the way it was supposed to go. Like I didn't test. I didn't have to fly out to Los Angeles. I didn't have to like, you know, do the, the whole dog and pony show and, and usually when you do a self-tape, you just think it's going to go die somewhere. And uh, and you don't, in the back of your brain, you're not taking it that seriously because you never get any feedback that you would in the room. And I told all my friends after that, that I was like, anybody who was listening, I'm like, yo, take that seriously because you had no idea who, who's watching it and what's on the other end of that tape. <laughs> so, uh, it's like, how is it working with, like, you know, like Damon Wayans and uh, Clayton Crawford? It's, it's really incredible because... Um, especially because they they're so different and uh and damon i really think is um like i i really think we match them demeanors in the sense that like 
like he he's like a, like he's not at all a handy guy. Like when you put him in front of the camera, he turns into a ham for sure. But um, but he had that kind of like Steve Martin thing where you know Steve Martin's famous for you know like off camera he's kind of like a normal dude and takes his work really seriously. And I've kind of always gravitated towards that because like yeah, I could crack a joke. Um, I could be silly, of course, but I generally am not trying to steal focus from anybody in any kind of room um, unless I'm like performing. And so it's really interesting to like work with him that way and, and seeing the analytical side of trying to dissect a joke or trying to um, really make something hit. Um, and then you have, uh, so I've learned a lot from him comedically already uh, and trying to make that guy laugh and succeeding is just like, you know, I, I remember every single time I've ever made him laugh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's something I think about all the time because, you know, I grew up with that guy. He's a comedic icon. Oh yeah. Um, and and with Clayton, it's just like that guy is so good, and he he's become a bit of a mentor for me. There's been there's been times I've I've had uh, you know some challenges in in navigating this whole world of being a series regular on on a TV show and how to stay um, how to stay uh, consistent, you know, and making consistent choices and making sure your character is always doing what your character should be doing um, in a very consistent way. And uh, and he's helped me a lot with just like. Because um, he's been doing it forever, you know, it, it, and it's at a high level. So it's interesting to hear from him just like, you know, pointers here and there and, and how to be the, the best you can at all times. And um, and he's just like so explosive with everything. Like you could tell he just takes everything so, so incredibly seriously. Um, so working between the two of them, you have like both ends of the spectrum. You know, Damon takes things seriously in one direction and then Clayne takes things seriously in another direction. Um, and I fall somewhere in, in between. So it's nice to it's nice to have this big opportunity on a show like this that people like and be learning the entire time. Cause now I'm, you know, I'm ready to uh, carry the baton at any time. And, and uh, now that I have, you know, all this experience under my belt. Yeah. Um, how would you describe your character that you play on the show? Uh, he like lately I've been kind of uh, saying he's like an, like a parallel universe me. Um, because he's a guy that I think we would get along really well. We would nerd out hard about a lot of films, um, a lot of foreign films, and a lot of like uh, probably you know cartoons and anime and video games and stuff. Um, and even we even like dress alike, but it's not completely the way I would dress. Like he he wears stuff that I would see on the rack and would think about it, but then ultimately decides to not get it. It's like everything about it is just a little off, but we're very similar. So it really is just as if. As if it was me, you know, this like kind of quirky, uh, comical uh, dude who just happened to go my initial route of forensics, you know, and then became, you know, a pathologist, you know. So I think like we're very similar, but then at the same time, I'm sure we would. Uh, there's movies that he would like that I'd be like, dude, what are you talking about? Movies are garbage. And like, uh, but otherwise, you know, just like kind of like a quirky uh, dude that also, you know, isn't like. I never had a problem with uh, the opposite sex, but he certainly does. Um, and, and it's really interesting to, to navigate that too, because it's like the one thing that he, it's like his Achilles heel. So it's cool to make uh, choices that I otherwise wouldn't in real life because it would just be like, um, he's not Rico Suave at all. <laughs> uh, so it's really fun, fun to play that through him as well. Do you think because you had some, you know, minor in criminal justice, it helped you with this character? Yes, I've always been, um, uh, well, actually, I ended up not uh, minoring in criminal justice. It was just film, but I, I did take a bunch of criminal justice classes, and uh, and, I, and I've always been interested in that stuff. Like, 
true crime and my my mother and I would watch a lot of uh, TLC back when it was actually the Learning Channel, um, and we would watch a lot of like forensic stuff and surgery stuff, and uh, and I've always just kind of like had a natural penchant toward um, toward that whole world, you know. And and my my father is a big Quincy fan. We watched Quincy a lot. Um, and I read a bunch of Perot books and a uh, big fan of like Agatha Christie and stuff. So it's like, I've always kind of been like had part of my brain wired to that stuff. So it was really ironic uh, to play this character um, because I just always like all that medical jargon and, okay. and, you know, learning about the human body and all that stuff. Like I've always naturally liked that. So it's been really interesting to, to play that eventually. Do you, uh, do you have, like some uh, inspiration or like actors that you look up to that you try to model yourself after? Um, I think, uh, I don't know if I've ever gotten that far. Like I've always been a, a guy who's tried to do his own thing. Um, and I, I take a little bit from a lot of people, I guess, you know, so every time I watch a movie, I definitely, um, look out for, you know, people making choices that you otherwise would never. And it's hard for me to like pinpoint a, a specific person, but I feel like over the years I've gleaned a lot from um, from many different actors of just seeing like, you know, knowing from the little bit that I know uh, how I would attack certain things or uh, execute certain um, character judgments. And um, yeah, it's hard. It's hard for me to, you know, outside of people like obviously like uh, Gary Oldman and Tom Hardy and, you know, people like that are just like always, always excellent and seemingly uh, a chameleon like Daniel Day-Lewis too. So it's interesting. Like when you watch those guys, and you watch them a lot, then you start seeing who they actually are. Like, if you're really watching, if you watch, like, all Daniel Day-Lewis's films in a row, then you'd be like, oh, that's him. This is, these are the things that he always consistently does. And then you kind of, like, lose the enchantment a little bit, because then you're just like, oh, you see what he kind of, like, always gravitates toward. But, um, but other than that, it's just like, I don't know, everything's always really different. And, uh, and, and I, I, I can't really say, I guess, that, I, that there's one particular person I'm like, oh, this is the this is the guy or, or woman who I've really, uh, really tried to model myself after. Do you have like a dream role that you want to play someday? Uh, I think now, like, I mean, it's hard to be a, a total nerd and not want to be in a, in a Marvel movie. It's really hard <laughs> to, yeah. to not want to, to not feel that like shining beacon of light. Um, yeah, I think, I think that's what it is. Like, I, I really like, uh, I really like drama though. I really like the dramatic role um, as much as comedy as I've done. And if I could do something that's like uh, a superhero, like if I could do like a lighter version of, of the, uh, of the movie unbreakable, that'd be really cool. Um, and then uh, even a lighter version of like, I, I like the Chris Nolan Batman's, you know, okay. like they were cool, yeah. uh, but they're not, they're not the Batman's that I was really that interested in, in seeing to tell you the truth. Uh, I wanted something that's a little more campy. So if I could be, some, I don't know, somewhere in, in the middle where it's just like not full-blown, uh, you know, pies in the face on one side, comedy, comic book guy. But then on the other side, take of having a film, like a Nolan film that takes itself really seriously. Like I definitely want to be in the middle there um, and maybe play like superhero that people don't really talk about that that often. You know, like Black Panther was a perfect example. Yeah. Um, you know, but but any of the like, I mean, now it's just like sky's the limit with those guys, and I think that's why I'm so interested in it because now Marvel has made um, they've made so many good choices with like the films that they've made 
and they've taken people like Black Panther or like the Guardians of the Galaxy, who nobody ever knew of unless you were someone that, that read comic books, um, and made them people that uh, or made them characters that people really enjoy. You know, so there's like so many characters like that. Like I would love to be. I know Channing Tatum is going to be Gambit uh, soon, but. Gambit's probably my favorite X-Men of all time, and I would love to be Gambit and, like, throw him on a Cajun accent, or learn one, rather, um, and do that, and even be, like, the first, like, ethnic uh, Gambit. That would be pretty cool. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I don't know. So it's just, like, there's a lot of that stuff that I kind of really, really would love to do, some kind of, like, superhero action thing. Yeah. Do you, uh, what are, like, some of your favorite movies and TV shows that you've been binge-watching lately, if you're, when you're not working? Uh, lately, um... Lately, I've been I've been uh, I've been in a trap of like I'm a huge fan of reading books before uh, I watch the movie or the TV show. So you know, so many people were talking about Big Little Lies, and uh, and I didn't want to watch that because I found out it was books. So I read the, I just finished the book recently. Um, I'm reading Ready Player One right now, um, which I'm really enjoying. Uh, and the movie Annihilation is coming out soon, but I've already I've read that book. Uh, twice and i'm gonna read it a third time i think because it's so fascinating it's like i've never really quite read a book like that um and so that's what i'm like kind of consuming right now and then on the anime end um i'm almost finished with death note uh it's a lot of episodes like 37 episodes is kind of a lot for uh, well i mean naruto has like 800 episodes but something like a normal anime usually only has like one season and this one has a lot of episodes for one season so i'm like consuming a lot of death note um and uh, and we just kind of we have to. My wife and I just watched like the first four seasons of The Americans, and I really enjoy that a lot. Um, so I still have to catch up on the one that came out last year, right before the new season comes out in March. Um, so yeah, I think that's kind of where I'm at. And I was gonna start watching Altered Carbon until I saw in the, in the opening credits, like you know, adapted from whatever novel. And I'm like, well, I guess I gotta read this because uh, <laughs> it's just like you'll never get that same that same feeling. You know, you can't. Yeah. Uh, like I, there's been some movies where like I'll read the book afterwards and I'm like, I just don't care about this as much. And you get so much more of the world that, uh, in the novel that you otherwise would never get in the, in the, you know, the screen version. So I try to do that as much as possible. Yeah. Uh, how do you like to spend your spare time? Do you have any hobbies? Yeah. Um, work out. I work out a bunch. Um, you know, the, I, I like reading, uh, a lot, especially, there's just so much media, man. There's so much media to consume. So I always try to do a little bit, you know, so I'm always like in the middle of a book, in the middle of a comic book, um, you know, so right now I'm kind of, I'm going to back issues of like X-Men. I think I'm reading like um, one of the big crossovers from X-Men that came out maybe in like the year 2005 or something like that. And, uh, and then a lot of video games, I play a ton of video games. And right now I'm in, I'm just so behind dude. It's like, I'm, yeah. like I get like chills when I think about it. Cause I, Think about all the things that I, I, I want to accomplish because um, there's like I think in my brain it's still that same era. It's still like 2005, 2006. Those were the games I'm playing. Like I just finished Mass Effect 3, which came out like I think, or by uh, I forget when Mass Effect 3 came out. Bioshock 2 I just finished last week, and that came out like I don't know a million years ago. So it's yeah. just like crazy to, to to try to do all that stuff. I'm trying to do a lot in a very little time, and, <laughs> and still have time to like ride my motorcycle around. Yeah. What a do you have any uh, future projects that you're looking forward to? Yeah, uh, yeah. There's a um, there's a comic that's kind of like a new age far side um, that I'm doing that I'm writing and uh, and my sister in law illustrating, and we're in the middle of that. I'm not sure when that's going to come out. Um, I just finished writing a short film that I'm going to 
shoot um, in April or May uh, that I'm starring in, and uh, it's kind of about the the year that my uh, wife and I weren't together. There was one year out of the 15 years we've been together um, that we weren't uh, before we were married, and it's kind of a little sampling of that. Um, and those are, and then there's there's this one animation uh, pitch package I'm putting together. It's a show that I'm, I'm really trying to sell um, that I really want to do. That's a cartoon that I came up with, and those are like the three things that are like happening right now. Um, and I also have a fashion line that I'm like sketching here and there. Uh, but that's like a whole other industry that I'm gonna have to learn. So that one's that one's not really uh, that one's very slow moving. But those are the things that are kind of like percolating at all times in my brain. All right. And lastly, uh, how can the listeners find you? Twitter, Instagram. Oh yeah, dude. Uh, Twitter and Instagram are uh, both the same thing. Uh, I'm active more on Instagram, uh, and that's J T H A N Prime. So my my name truncated uh, J T H A N Prime. All right, and uh, you know, thank you for coming on. And uh, this was a blast, man. I hope you come back on. Yeah, dude. That's my pleasure. Thank you so much. All right.